0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today with a field day preview. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. Yes, the Ag PhD field day is only two weeks away. We're really excited. It's coming together nicely. We've caught a couple inches of rain this week. Things are going pretty good, so really excited about that. We're going to have Some of the folks who you will see and hear at the field day on today's program, and that is really exciting as well because there's a lot of information to share. It's a great opportunity to learn and find out what other people are doing that's working for them and, and things that aren't working for them. It's good to compare some notes. So it's a field day preview show on today's program. We'll also have our phone lines open throughout. If you've been to the field day or if you're coming to the field day, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get input from you as well. 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, if you have any agronomic questions, that's always fine. And you can email us also radio at agphd.com.
1: All right, so I am Brian Hefty and that was my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. During our show, if you've got any questions or if there's anything you'd like to talk to us about, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743 or send us an email radio at agphd.com. And we we bring the, our number up every day and the email thing up every day because we, we really, number one, appreciate getting your feedback. And number two, we are here to help you. So we just did this young farmers field day back a couple of weeks ago. And we told all the young farmers, same thing. I, I mean, just call us anytime or send us an email anytime you get a question. In terms of the agronomy side, I'm not saying we're the smartest guys in the world or anything, but I will tell you we have like 30 years of experience as full-time agronomists. Uh, Plus, we've been on the farm our whole lives. We do farm about 3,200 acres. We consult with farmers all over the United States and Canada, as well as a number of other countries. Uh, So Darren and I have traveled the world. Uh, We have been all over the United States especially, in most of the states in the United States, just working with farmers on how do you raise better crops and make money at the same time. Because it's one thing to get yield, but just as importantly, you got to have profit. At the end of the day, that's really what I care most about, is having profit. Now, granted, we can't sacrifice the long-term health of our soil or anything that we're doing out there. We've got to make sure that we are conscious of the environment and and making sure that we're setting ourselves up for the long term as well but anyway i'm i'm just trying to say here if you've ever got any questions for us if there's thing if there's something we can help you out with just give us a call or send us an email all right let's get to the ag phd mailbag maybe we're trying to get the mailbag music up it's the mailbag hey there we go
0: all right, uh, get one from Dustin here. He said, I wonder what your take on this is. Do you think there's anything to the idea of intentionally stressing soybeans early in the season by either a mechanical stress like a land roller type machine or a chemical stress, something like Cobra, for example, to promote branching or more nodes. I'm really glad he didn't mention dicamba in there, Brian. That's kind of a, a hot button right now. Ooh, will that stress from dicamba on some of these non-dicamba-tolerant soybeans result in more yield? Okay, so let's just yes, take his— Yes, and,
1: and the answer to that question is yes, it will. So some of your cup possibly. beans out there, some of the damage—no, not possibly. Some will. There some, are t- yes. Right, yeah, that's what I said. So— Tens of millions of acres of soybeans today have been, I, I, I hate to use the word damaged, they have been stressed by either dicamba, mechanical damage, what was the other thing you said? Uh, oh, herbicide damage. Yes. Uh, all, all. So yes, uh, wind, hail, you name it, they have been stressed by something. In some of those cases, yield will be helped. In some of those cases, yield will be hurt. So no, there is not a thing where it's, you definitely want to do this for a certain stress at a certain time. Nobody's been able to get that figured out. Believe me, lots of people have tried. So the, the, the challenge is the environment is so different from year to year. Everything from soil to the air, the wind, the sun, the, you name it. So n- no, I'm not going to ever purposely stress my beans. But since the herbicide thing got mentioned, let me just put it to you this way. Every single time you spray any herbicide on any crop, I don't care what it is, don't care the herbicide, don't care the crop, you are stressing that crop, period. So the the, the thing is, though, some people will say, well, I don't want to stress my crop at all. So I'm not going to use herbicide. Okay, well, here's the, the flip side of that. If you don't stress your crop with the herbicide, now you've stressed your crop with the weed. Would you rather have the weed stress or the herbicide stress? I'm going to take the herbicide stress probably 99 million times, uh, or 99 times out of 100, and I, I, I should go further than that. It's 99.999 times out of 100 is how far I would go, because Yes. Well, the herbicide stress is a little bit. It's not nearly as much as that weed stress. Also, let me just throw this out at you because there are a lot of people that say, well, we should use no pesticides. First of all, a lot of the pesticides are, are either natural or they were derived from natural products uh, or they are really really safe compared to what we used to have to deal with we were talking about parathion and furidan on the show just a day or two ago and some of the old super dangerous products that are no longer out there okay or the the other side of this thing is uh, yeah well we've got uh, some stress on these plants from the herbicide you got to remember that Because we have now saved the stress of weeds or insects or diseases when you're using a pesticide, the plant itself will produce far fewer natural carcinogens. That's a proven fact. You put stress under anything and now you've got more natural carcinogens inside that plant. It's the same kind of thing with you and me as human beings. When we're under stress, our lifespan goes down. So we've got to try to reduce stress as much as we can for human beings. Your doctor's gonna tell you that, and so will I. But I'm also gonna tell you, you gotta reduce the stress in your plants. So the more we can suppress the weeds, the insects, the diseases, all the pests that bother the plants, your plant's just gonna be that much healthier. It'll have far fewer natural carcinogens. So in other words, it's healthier at the end, whatever food you've created, and along with it, you get higher yields. All right, we're gonna talk a little about the Ag PhD Field Day right after this. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth.
2: That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs Hands or butts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com.
3: In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit robbing insects.
4: A tank mix of DICON IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or DICON IGR Plus, offers the long term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit
3: bugfreegrains.com.
0: Join us for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. Putting out a full day that you won't want to miss. Yield champs will share about raising yields and profits. Industry experts will discuss drainage law, estate planning, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you dozens of research plots and have equipment running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free AgPHD PhD Field Day. Register now at agphd.com. back you're listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today we're doing a field day preview the big ag phd field day is coming up thursday july 29th that's two weeks from today you can find all the details at agphd.com and pre-register as well let's head down to missouri start off with our first first guest it's kip Cullers. kip thanks for joining us today how's it going day you know, it's going pretty good. we got a couple inches of rain here since the weekend, so we're really happy. We're in a good spot. Yeah, well, we could use a good rain, but we're not hurting yet. So when when you talk to growers mid-season, I know you've been to our field day before, and growers are, are asking you questions. Are they mostly focused on high-yielding soybeans when they talk to you, or are they focused on other things?
5: Oh, they're focused on a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh like uh corn you know they're just herbicides they just you know you get asked a wide range of questions uh i i don't know i've been you know usually you're you just you've always got a group there that you know asking you everything understanding how the weather is and What's going on in
1: Southwest Missouri? And,
0: <laughs> how and, big, how know, big the Palmer pigweed gets down there? I think you you might have some guys beat with how big the Palmer can get there. Yeah, we can
5: almost make saw logs out of them, you know? <laughs> it. It can get, it can be a little challenging at times. Especially the the worst thing is, is uh, this year's. You know, they got that July one cut up on the on the extend, and and uh, boy that's on all of our double crop beans. That's really put the hurt on us on that.
0: You know, when you, you talk about the dicamba, I know that is a big topic this year with cupped beans and those types of things. And, and growers are, are concerned about that and wanting to get those dicamba applications early, but you're right. You get in the double crop situation. That doesn't leave you many options.
5: No. So last year we could we can do it 30 days after planting. And, uh, uh, which worked out fine, because we'd plant, you know, put a pre-emerge down, plant, and then, you know, that was about the time they need to be post-sprayed, and, and uh, we got along great, and I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of acres uh, I've sprayed of the dicamba extend, and I've never had to leave my farm, but, you know, that very first year that we could legally do it, I mean, we didn't have a bit of trouble, and I mean, all we was hearing was all these horror stories, and and, uh, but you know, we was using our head. We wasn't going out there and spraying at 10
0: o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Uh, you know, one crop that you raise and, and have raised and you can't really, you don't have a lot of spray options have been green beans. Glenn's trying some green beans at the field day site and he's got a few weeds out there right now, Kip. I'm not sure he's going to do it quite as well as you do it, but what advice would you give us in some of these crops that we aren't normally raising here?
5: Yeah, well, I wrote him a good prescription on those, (laughs) and, uh, the problem with that is is, uh, there's such a little amount of stuff that you can actually go apply on there, you know, they're not Roundup ready, they're not Extend ready, Liberty ready, nothing, they are just plain Jane, you gotta go back to 101 Basics, and, uh, uh, you've got to stay on top of those and, and you got to spray those weeds whenever they're, you know, more, you know, I think a, a weed out there in a green bean field, if it's above two inches tall, you're probably not going to kill it. Uh,
0: <laughs> I know. It, anything it, that, it, it changes your impossible. scale, Kip. You mentioned two inches tall. A lot of times when I say two inches tall, I have my fingers about as far apart as they can be. Uh, and my, my index finger and my thumb, and that's about four inches. I say, how oh, about two inch weed. And, Brian reminds me quite often, Darren. That's not two inches. That's a big weed already.
5: Oh yeah, I always tell everybody on on the green beans or any of our vegetables we grow, if you can see it, it needs to be killed.
0: Well, and uh, that's right.
5: We, we literally start spraying those, you know, at rosette stages, and uh, that's the only way you're going to stay on top of that. And and the way you do that, you got to get out in the field and walk them, and be out there every day and and deciding. When you can spray them and uh and then of course you got weather dictating in and, and uh use a good and uh, and pre-emerge on that is uh we run eight tenths of a pint of dual that's pre-emerge any more than that you're going to ding your beans so you got to start clean stay clean and 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 just don't ever let anything go the seed and uh that's the best way to fight them
0: yeah, that's, that's for sure. Well, and this is one of the reasons that the people really enjoy the chance to come to the field day, talk about a wide variety of crops. we got people there with great experience levels, like we're talking with Kip Cullers here, who's one of the best growers around the world. Uh, Kip, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you later this month.
5: All right. See you later. You bet.
0: Uh, let's head down to Iowa. Another another solid grower just to our south is Kelly Garrett Farms in western Iowa, and crushes some big time corn yields. Kelly, how's stuff looking this year?
6: You know, a month ago I wouldn't have given you much on the crop, but now the rains have come. We've gotten three to five inches, depending on where you're at. We're adding foliar stuff to our fungicide and we're getting ready to throw the kitchen sink out of it because between the way the crop looks and the way the futures market looks, if there was ever a year to get after it, it's this year.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the question that a lot of farmers have. I know uh, Kip was mentioning at, at the Ag PhD Field Day, there's just questions about almost everything, almost every aspect of your operation. But uh, when you when you think about when you're really going for it, for high yields, who better to ask than somebody that's already been there, that's already winning state contests, raising 300-plus bushel corn in western Iowa, Not in not in this four-foot-deep, uh, flat, black, uh, pattern tile, end-to-end field either. you got some rough terrain where you farm, Kelly.
6: The water will run downhill where I live, you're correct. <laughs> yes, or.
0: it does, and fast. So it, you got to take some and extra fat, precautions. Right. But, you know, you mentioned just throwing the kitchen sink at a crop where you've got a great opportunity to make profit. I know you've done a lot of testing on your farm to figure out which of these things really work. So that's that's really exciting, and we look forward to hearing more about that.
6: Yeah, I'll be ready to share all that at the field day, of course.
0: You know, as you look at the corn crop and the bean crop, you mentioned you got three to five inches of rain now. Obviously, the beans got quite a ways to go. Would you say they've got even more potential than what the corn has right now?
6: Yes, yes. You know, I think we'll raise an above average corn crop. Uh, You know, maybe it'll be among the best ever. It has that chance. But right now, uh, I would say the beans are on track to be the best we've ever done.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. And and I agree with you that we've got a long ways to go. We've got several nodes left to put on these beans and lots more blooms. We've got a whole nother month here of of blooming soybeans. Y- you tried a bunch of things this year. I know you had some beans out there beyond ultra early just to see what had happened. But, you know, when you look at uh, a slightly early planting date, are you seeing an advantage with that where you got out a couple weeks earlier?
6: Absolutely. You know, beans are a very mathematical crop is how I say it. And the earlier you can plant them, the more nodes you're going to put on, the more nodes you're going to put on, the more pods you're going to set. And the number one priority needs to be how many nodes can you get in that field. And the earlier you, you're going to put a node on every three days. So the earlier you can plant them, the more nodes you're going to put on. It's quite simple.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the math problems. But here's one that Brian and I have been battling about just a little bit. Uh, what maturity of beans do you plant? Do you spread it around a lot on your farm?
6: We do. We plant now. We're from a one one to a two six. Uh, the, I don't know hardly anybody here that plants earlier than a two, but we want to have some one one and one threes that we bought from you. By the way, we we're excited about those. Glenn and Matt Thompson were excited about those. We want to bring them down here. That one one will probably turn into a one three down here in this climate, and. I'm excited about that because I want to harvest them early. I want to capture that early basis, which this year especially uh, looks to be very strong. And then I can get my winter wheat in earlier, which will add... You know, a 1-1 one, one bean as opposed to a 2-2 two, two bean, I think I'll add 30 bushel to my winter wheat crop just because of how early I can plant my winter wheat.
0: That's absolutely right. I totally agree with you. I think your odds are, are heavily in your favor on that. And, you know, the choices you make on this crop definitely can impact the next one. And I know with the next generation already in place on the Garrett farm and, and guys getting just heavily involved already, ready to take over for dad sooner than he's going to want to give it up, I'm sure. Uh, you got to be thinking about That's the right. future.
6: Yes, and the other reason to spread out that bean maturity is to manage that moisture. I want all those beans coming out at 14 percent. I don't even want them to be at 13. And we'll start we'll start combining beans, and I'll probably get the first out of the first five loads I take to the elevator, Darren. Probably the. One or two of those is going to get rejected because they're too wet. <laughs> because yes. I, you know, I'd rather take him at 14 and a half than I would 10 and a half. I can tell you that.
0: Oh, you're preaching to the choir here. This is Kelly Garrett. You're going to be excited to hear from Kelly at the Ag PhD Field Day coming up in two weeks. Thank you so much, Kelly. Look forward to seeing you soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
5: Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide
4: investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans' moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use.
0: Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live shark farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register.
4: When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio, live from the Morton studio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. Today we're talking a little about the Ag, F- Ag PhD Field Day. It is coming up two weeks from today, so it'll be on Thursday, July 29th. It's a free event we put on every year to say thanks to you for watching Ag PhD TV and listening to us here on AgPHD Radio. It's right on our home farm. And uh, we've got lots of research stuff to show you, and we bring in a lot of great guest speakers. A few of them, or a couple of them, have already been on the show today, but we have, uh, we have a great lineup for you. It's a lot of fun. Uh, pretty much everything is free, About the only thing that's not free that I can think of is golf carts, if you need to rent a golf cart. But otherwise, we've got uh, free admission, free parking, uh, free food, free drinks, We'll have an air show. We'll have kids entertainment. We uh, we got a lot of things for the whole family. Just go to agphd.com to learn more about that. We're going to jump back to the phone lines right now. We've got Casey calling in from Tennessee. Casey, I hear you got some questions about Johnson grass.
2: Uh, yes. Uh, we've been battling it. Uh, we battled it a couple years ago. Uh, killed it out, or I thought we killed it out. It came back this year with a vengeance. Uh, we have uh, we planted around the pretty uh, beans. Uh, in the spring. Uh, We've done pre-emergence with uh, uh, herbicides and stuff. I thought we had it done in the past 30 days. uh, The Johnson grass has emerged and basically took over the beans. Um, We sprayed them uh, 30 days ago with uh, a 1.8 ounce uh, solution of uh, glyphosate and now we're uh, basically it had no effect on the Johnson grass.
1: What did you and say you used? Basically, uh, we're using Roundup.
2: Uh, oh, on, and, got on you. The beans.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
2: And now, what we're seeing is it's starting to merge into our neighboring alfalfa fields as well.
1: Okay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. We're, we're basically our end. Yeah, hi. oh, I get it. Johnson grass is a tough one. We're lucky up here where we farm; we don't have to deal with Johnson grass. But let's talk about your pre. What did you use for a pre-emerge herbicide, trying to get it under control? Uh,
2: we used. Um, I apologize. I'm not really sure what we used. Uh, it was prescribed uh, based on our co-op. Our sure. Co-op. Yeah. Uh, they came out and looked at it and gave it to us. I apologize.
1: I don't know what. Yeah, no problem. What it was. That we yep. Used. Yep. no I just thought if you if you did happen to know I, I was curious what you used and what rate and for the roundup too uh, can you can you tell me what rate you have applied with that do you remember on that one
2: uh, Our mixture rate was uh, 1.8 ounces to the gallon uh, we're applying it oh. at about uh, 25 gallons uh, per minute uh, so I mean we're, we're flooding this trying to kill this stuff
1: out okay. So, on a per acre basis, though, do you have any idea how many gallons of solution you would be applying on a per acre basis?
2: Uh around 2,500 an acre.
1: Okay. So, he, here here's where I'm going with this. With Roundup and and some of the other herbicides we deal with. What we're looking for isn't necessarily getting lots of water out there. It's getting a very high concentration. So, I I'll let me just and I apologize cuz now I got to get into story time here a little bit, but I'm going to tell you just to, for a second about our dad actually did work with Monsanto before Roundup was ever even labeled. So this was way back in like the early 70s or something. And anyway, the higher they went with water, the lower the control on our big problem at the time was quackgrass. So similar to Johnson grass. And what we found is lower water rates and higher concentrations of Roundup were unbelievably effective. And Darren and I can attest to that too back in the 80s when we were doing a lot of the spot spraying out in in soybeans. So anyway, I I would just tell you that's the first thing that if it's me, I'm going to change. I'm going to make sure that I'm using the maximum labeled rate. That's 44 ounces of Roundup Power Max, And I'm going to use that in as little water as possible. So 5 to 10 gallons per acre of water. And that will help your overall performance. When we deal with perennial weeds and these tough things like Johnson grass, what we're trying to do is get way down into the root system and kill the whole thing. And you can't do it with low rates. You can't do it with... Uh with not without having a good concentration, we have to try to deliver a lethal dose to each and every growing point that's in that extensive root system. So that gets to be the challenge. I'll also say for all of our listeners here if you if you download the free Ag PhD field guide app, we have in, underneath that Johnson grass, and we talk about control and what to do in corn, in wheat, and in soybeans. And so for example, what what you'll find right in there and our suggestion for a pre, and that's why I was curious what you were doing. You have to use the full rate of treflan or trifluralin, sonolan, or prowl. I don't care which one it is, but you got to use one of the yellows. That's the ticket. If you do that, the full rate, now you will suppress most of the Johnson grass out there. The Roundup at 44 ounces is a big key, and you can only use in crops 64 ounces of Roundup Power Max per season. So once you've used all that up. Your only other really good choice, in my opinion, is like Select Max, one of the Clethodim products, uh, something like that. Clethodim isn't going to completely kill that Johnson grass, but it's going to suppress it. Uh, Liberty would suppress it. Uh, Pursuit and Raptor would suppress it. So, you know, we're, we're talking suppression there. So, again, just to restate, and for all of our listeners, too, if you have a Johnson grass problem in soybeans, we can do serious damage to it, but you got to go full rate of a yellow. That's trifluralin, and prowl. you got to follow up with 44 ounces of Roundup on your first pass and do it all by itself. I mean, I don't want anything else in that tank other than Roundup and ammonium sulfate. That's how it works best. There's no antagonism or anything else you have to deal with. So you get the yellow out, you get 44 ounces of, of Roundup out, and usually you're done. That, that Johnson grass is dead. If it's not, you can follow later with a little more Roundup or Select Max or something like that, or uh, maybe a Liberty or Pursuit or Raptor, one of those things to at least hold it back for the season. So there's our, our suggestion. In Alfalfa, uh, you're in tough shape. <laughs> I, all you've got is Clethodim. That's it. And even when you say, oh, if I had roundup alfalfa, well, you can only use a quart of roundup and not uh, a a much higher rate. So you got to look at the label, but just follow the label. You can only use a low rate of roundup. And so you're not going to kill the root system. Once you get in crop in alfalfa, suppress it with clethodim, suppress it with a lower rate of roundup, whatever's labeled, and you're done. That's all you can do in alfalfa. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks. Sorry you got the problem, but uh, hopefully this will help.
0: Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Casey. I've uh, also got Rob Sharkey with us right now, who's going to be at the Ag PhD Field Day broadcasting his Shark Farmer radio program there. Rob, thanks for joining us.
7: Hi, guys. How's it going?
0: Well, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I hear you're getting plenty of rain over there.
7: It just will not stop. I, I'm not going to complain about it, but, jeez, I mean, we didn't expect this.
0: Now, you just never know when it's going to come. And that's what's so interesting about your show. When you talk to farmers and, and others involved around agriculture about all the things uh, that that we wouldn't ask him, We'd be asking them, how big is your <laughs> corn crop and how do we kill that weed? And and uh, you talk about, hey, what's really going on with your family and, and the transition of your farm and, and these types of issues. It's really interesting, Rob. Really enjoy your show.
7: Well, good. I mean, I think it's a good mix. I think the whole RFD afternoon. I mean, we. I don't have to do something about that Haney guy, though, you know.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, it is it is fun. And I love I love agriculturally based programs and I love hearing from farmers and other farmers. And when you get a farmer asking the questions like yourself, uh, it, it's pretty neat to just see where things are going to go.
7: Well, that is what's – I mean, it's so cool that you guys are having this show, because I would have been really, really disappointed if you didn't. It's been it's been so long since we've got out there. We've been able to, like, intermingle, you know, on the good old farm shows and stuff like this. So I cannot wait to get out there to South Dakota.
0: That's awesome. You know, another thing uh, that we've been working with Rob on is in the Ag PhD Insider magazine. We've been, been publishing some articles that Rob's been writing. You're doing a nice job on that, Rob. We really appreciate that.
7: Well, thank you. I, I would uh, be a shock to my high school English teacher.
0: <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's not saying that, that the grammar was the best, Rob, but no, it, it, it actually is pretty good. It's, it's surprisingly good. We're really happy.
7: Surprisingly?
0: Wow! <laughs> well, it's, it's almost, almost as good as what Brian writes, so that's, that's impressive.
7: <laughs> hey, I got an idea. I was thinking that maybe I could be at the entrance gate collecting a $10 fee to get into park this year. Is that okay with you guys?
0: That, <laughs> that, oh, Rob, it's all free. It's all free at <laughs> the Ag PhD Field Day, and Rob Sharkey's another one of the attractions you will see there. Thanks, Rob. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds
4: don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire
0: can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of
4: Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm,
0: Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live shark farmer radio show and will have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register.
4: Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltema Fungicide Swift Activity with fast payback. An expanded application window makes life simple. And it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltema Fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltema Fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about the Ag PhD Field Day coming up in two weeks on Thursday, July 29th and giving you a field day preview today. Uh, One of the guests that we've been really happy to have now multiple times at our field day is Dan with from Illinois. Excellent farmer there. Dan, how are you doing today?
8: Hey, I'm doing good.
0: All right, you got a lot going on in your farm. Been kind of watching some of the updates you've been posting online. Where, where are you at right now? Where, where's the corn at? What stage? And and are you predicting a, a new state record?
3: <laughs> uh, if you predict that, it's a bad omen, I think. But we're we're at BT basically, or just barely BT. We're just starting to tassel.
0: I don't know. Um, Kelly Garrett was brave well, today, Dan. Kelly Garrett said he's expecting above average yields on his farm, maybe a record on soybeans.
8: Uh. Well, I hate to.
3: I've I've been bitten in the butt by that before. So <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. I'm not I'm, that bold. I, I, I a, yeah, I am a cautiously optimistic that we're going to have good yields. I mean, it looks it looks good. It looks good.
0: You know, the one thing I like though about about what you're doing on your farm, here we are at tassel time and it's really go time in, in corn. You've got a lot of stuff that you got to be concerned with between disease protection and just trying to feed this crop and help it finish out and fill out that ear very well. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions around what are you doing in corn right now and we'll be two weeks further down the road. What will you be telling guys in two weeks that, hey, I just got this done over the last couple of weeks?
8: Well, I had to. It seems like this
3: is kind of my MO. I, I actually wrote something on this this morning that uh, uh, I plan on changing my mind usually. And, and what I mean by that is day to day, things just change, right? You know, uh, circumstances change. So, our original plan and what I like to do is an R1 fungicide pass instead of VT. The reason I like that is because I like to put on a few extra uh fertility things in with our fungicide pass and i don't want to do that at pollination because i don't i don't want to mess with that plant during pollination putting any fertilizer on you can have some trial trouble with uh pollination then but we started getting reports of tar spot and uh i don't think you guys have had to deal with that yet but that's a very crippling disease in our area a couple years ago it smoked as bad so um you know it's Reports were within 20 miles. I went out and looked in some of my fields, and I'm not sure if I'm starting to see a few very preliminary spots. But boy, it's just barely. But uh, I can't risk it. Um, we had to go. We had to go. We had to go with fungicide. We started yesterday uh, a little earlier than I would normally start on the crop. Cannot put any fertility in. Uh, we did throw something else, in. it wasn't fertility, but uh, it was PGR. But um, as one that we do that we believe will not affect anything with pollination or or anything else at that stage, so uh, definitely an issue uh, with the tar spot. So we had to change things up.
0: Hey, what does tar spot look like, Dan? I, I know I've seen a lot of stuff on social media now, so I know what you're talking about. That guys are starting to see it, but then there's a lot of farmers that are saying, Is this tar spot? Can anybody help? Is there something that you would see? Uh, uh, on the plant that you'd say, okay, this this is definitely tar spot.
8: Well, it, it is a spot. So
3: a very small, that's usually the way it starts, is a very small spot. Sometimes it has like what you would call a little eye in it, per se, kind of. Um, that's you'll just start seeing a few of those. You wanna look on the leaves, you know, they could be in the leaves or in the stalk. I think you'll see it on the leaves first. Uh, Later in the season, once it or if if the disease progresses, it actually will look like you took a black can of spray paint and was at a little bit of a distance and you were fogging it with it. So like little specks were all over, and by and I mean thousands of them will be on one plant if it's heavily infested, and it just kills that plant, shuts it down. Two years ago, all our corn died in August. Uh, it was. They told us it really wasn't that invasive of a disease at that time. Uh, It wasn't that much experience with it, but it, it smoked everything. So I'm not taking that chance. We're going out with fungicide now. We might have to hit fungicide again in three weeks. We'll just have to monitor
0: this is why we love having growers like Dan at our Ag PhD field day because you got the quote of the day so far, Dan. I plan on changing my mind along the way. I've got plan A, but I know for sure I'm going to probably be on plan B or C before you know it, and and it's all those decisions in between uh, that, that growers just love listening to you and hearing what's going on. This is Dan Lubkus with, um, with Extreme Ag and also Farms in the state of Illinois. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks.
8: Hey, we're looking forward
3: to being there. I always learn more than I give out there. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Let's head up to the state of New York. We got Joe on with us right now. Joe, how's it going?
8: Good. How are you doing?
0: You know, we're
4: doing um, pretty well. I
0: I'm, I got a
8: a field that uh, I have a that I rent, and the owner does not want me to use Roundup, and the field has been hay. For about 20, 25 years. When you say
0: hay, do you mean alfalfa or grass?
8: Well, it started out as, I think it was alfalfa with some Timothy and uh, clover in it. That's pretty much all died out except for the clover. Now it's got chicory, uh, foxtail, quackgrass, Johnson grass. So we're looking to burn it down, but I'm looking for something that won't carry over so I can uh, replant it.
0: Okay. So you want to come back in there with an alfalfa-Timothy-type mix, or what do you want back in there?
8: I'm going to put uh, probably uh, alfalfa-Timothy um, and trefoil and a little bit of clover in there, probably red and white.
1: Sure. And can I assume that the landlord doesn't want Roundup because of all the uh, fictitious media things all that the, you hear out there? Yep,
8: all <laughs> all the hype. Anything that's got... Uh, <laughs> Any any type of Roundup related product, they do not want it because they think that they're gonna, I
1: don't know. <laughs> now here, let me let me let me they, tell they you that go away real quick. All right, <laughs> let me let me tell you the interesting thing. All right, so our next best option is Gramoxone, and our next best option is Liberty. So when we start talking about Gramoxone, that's going to burn everything down instantly, but it's not going to kill stuff root and all. Nor will Liberty, uh, but. Gramoxone, if you were to drink one tiny little cup, you're dead. Don't even call me. Don't even go to the hospital. You're already dead. And with Roundup, you could drink gallons every day the rest of your life, and you're going to live so now yeah I know I don't you're, yeah you're, you're and require and here. right and for anybody <laughs> listening don't quote me and don't say well Brian said I should drink gallons <laughs> of Roundum. but my point is gramoxone is is one of the most dangerous products that we deal with and now granted it's it's no more dangerous than the gasoline you pump in your car every day so if you're comfortable pumping gas you should be comfortable spraying gramoxone but nevertheless yeah gramoxone is a really good burn down product the challenge a lot of times with gramoxone is we do like throwing just a a little bit of 24d and they're like Freelex, so it doesn't volatilize or anything. And then if you do a little bit of that 24d, you're out for probably a couple of weeks. How long were you thinking of leaving this sit before you reseated?
8: Uh probably about 30 to 40 days.
1: Oh, okay. We're in great shape then. So, yeah, if it's me, The first thing I'm thinking about is Gramoxone and Freelix. The second thing that I would consider would be Liberty. There's a shortage of Liberty right now, and that's part of the reason why I say, you know, I don't know. If it's me, I I, I like Liberty. It's a really good product. I would would be great using Liberty as my first choice. I just don't know if you can find it right now because there's a worldwide shortage of it right now. But if you can get Liberty, I'd probably buy that. Uh, oh, for Liberty! What is the rate of Liberty? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, not. Wh- ch- I'm, uh, well, he, either way, you're going to want to go with the full labeled rate because you got a lot of yeah, stuff. Run like the 43. Yep. Rate. Yep. We're probably talking 43 ounces of Liberty, and with i make own- sure you've got go three
0: ahead. pounds of ammonium sulfate per acre in there too if you use Liberty.
1: Yep. So you're probably talking 15 bucks an acre. That's the other issue that we got here both of these combinations are liberty or gramoxone 24d either way you're going to spend at least double the money you'd spend on roundup
8: well the the, uh, gramoxone isn't that um, paraquat
1: yep that's paraquat
8: that scares me only because if if they see that they're gonna think because that We've seen a lot of advertisement on TV for um, lawsuits for Paraquat.
1: <laughs> that's and my I'm point. I'm
8: afraid that's going to scare them yep. too.
1: <laughs> okay, so Liberty is then the way to go. That's what I'd be using. Try to find some Liberty. Hopefully you can. 43 ounces to the acre with three pounds of ammonium sulfate, and you got her licked, Joe. All right, well, hopefully that answers your question. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live shark farmer radio show and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register.
7: Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point soil warrior edge from environmental tillage systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip-till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Welcome
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Where the questions never stop. The Ag PhD mailbag is always open. You can send us questions, radio at agphd.com. You can also give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. And uh, I had a question from Jason down in southern Missouri yesterday about adding nitrogen onto soybeans if, if we thought it would help him. And he, he had a pretty detailed explanation of what's going on in his field. And Brian had just said, man, I wish I knew what his yield goal was. Well, he uh, he emailed us back this morning and said 70 bushels at the minimum, definitely higher than that. So if you're shooting for higher yields, now something when we were talking with Kevin Matthews yesterday uh, from North Carolina about this too, he said once he gets past 70 bushels, he's been seeing in some of the lighter soils, lower organic matter soils, uh, a big boost from adding some nitrogen to the mix. So there's just a lot of things. If you're thinking about nitrogen on soybeans – Look at what your organic matter level is. Keep in mind, you're going to get some free release due to mineralization out of that organic matter. And then a lot of times, a lot of people don't figure in if you're using a a fertilizer that contains some nitrogen, but you're looking at what the phosphorus is in it. For example, if you're using a MAP or a DAP, don't forget to add in those nitrogen pounds that you may already be applying to your beans and give, give yourself credit for those too. Uh, thanks Jason. Thanks for giving us the feedback and, and yeah, we'd, we'd support going for, uh, pushing for a little higher yields in your situation. All right. Got this one from Tom and he said, I've got a food plot, 10 acres big. I need a pre-emerge herbicide and planting both corn and soybeans. Uh, my question is, if you do that, do you plant the crop first and then spray or do you spray first and then plant? Uh, I can also rule out metribuzin. Our organic matter percentage is really low, and that's a risky one to use here.
1: Uh, I'm not too worried about low organic matter, so I would still throw some metribuzin in. It might just be a really, really low rate, eighth of a pound, sixth of a pound, tenth of a pound, something like that. But I still want a little bit of metribuzin in there. But it, it, it depends on our situation. So let's put it this way. Here in the north, we can't put prowl on after we plant beans. North of Interstate 80, you can't put prowl on after you plant beans in a no till situation. So that means I'm going to spray before I plant because I've got to get that prowl out there. Or if I wanted to work the ground, I want to put trifluralin out there. And So with the trifluralin, that's got to be worked in. So obviously you're doing that in advance. So using those kind of products, which we love, by the way, I'm making sure that I'm getting out there in front of planting. However, if you wanted to go with something like uh, Kyber, for example, that Corteva has, which is, uh, it's got uh, the same active ingredients you'd find in Valor, Metribuzin, and, uh, and Zidua, then... Ziduo, by the way, is a group 15, then you can certainly go right after you plant. A lot of guys around here like to go right after they plant. And the reason why is because they're able to burn down more weeds. A few more weeds emerge then, and then they can get them under control. Now, you have to make sure you actually get that done though that's the other challenge if it all of a sudden rains for five days and then the beans pop up well then you're really in bad shape because you lose so many good options for weed control once the soybeans emerge so if you're worried about it at all that you're going to get it get it sprayed you want to do it in front of planting the beans
0: All right, thanks for the question. We appreciate that, and good luck to you. Let's head back to the phone lines here up in Michigan. We got Wayne calling in. Wayne, how you doing?
8: Not too bad. How about yourself?
0: Pretty good, but I hear you've got some common milkweed, and I happen to know my sister who answered your call, that's probably her least favorite weed. She used to have nightmares about that particular weed in our conventional soybeans that we had growing up. So I'm surprised she even let you through, Wayne. I I would have thought she would have heard milkweed and just hung up the phone.
8: Yeah. Well, the last couple of years, I've had milkweed show up in my pasture, and this year it's really gotten bad. Any way to kill off the milkweed without killing off the whole pasture? What sure. You, what
0: have you done in the past, Wayne? Have you sprayed a herbicide on it?
8: Have not. Okay. The problem's not been there until the last couple of years.
1: Sure. Uh, the cheapest way to do this is if you get an old, we used to call them a weed wiper or a wick. It's basically almost like cloth. And you've got a boom, and you saturate that with a Roundup mix that's probably one or two parts water to one part Roundup. And you basically wipe across these weeds because milkweed is going to stand taller than your pasture, pasture grass, and you wipe across the top of them, all those weeds will die. So that, that would cost you very little money. And if it's me and that's all I had out there, that's what I would do. Now if you you want to spray a herbicide over the whole thing. There's nothing that's lights out on milkweed that it's totally going to kill the root and all that I can think of, unless you can come up with something, Darren. But even using some 2,4-D, uh, we talk about Frelex all the time, just because that's the new 2,4-D that you? doesn't volatilize or yeah. anything. Uh, I, would, right. I would hit it with a couple of quarts of that. It's going to burn it to the ground, and I'd, I'd call it good from there. Oh, one, one, let me add one thing before Darren jumps in. Don't get too carried away with water and we were just talking to one of our callers a little bit earlier, who's using all kinds of water for stuff. It's like, look, milkweed has a very waxy leaf. And if you, let's say you're running 30 gallons of water, then you just diluted down your concentration. Most of it's going to run onto the ground and that does you no good. So with a weed like milkweed, keep your water volume low, like 10 gallons to the acre, as opposed to 20 or 30. Go all ahead. Let Dan. me
0: ask you a couple okay. questions too, Wayne. Is this going to stay pasture for a long time? Yes. And are there trees that you like that are out in the pasture? No. Oh, well, perfect. Then we've got Tordon on the table, too. <laughs> I had to ask those two qualifiers because we are concerned about, hey uh, if you're ever thinking about rotating it out of pasture or if you've got uh, some trees out there that you like because Tordon can certainly kill trees. So that might be another thing, too, if you, you got into um, uh, a mix with Tordon and Freelex or one of the pre products as well. Just something that have a chance to get into the root.
8: How long do you have to keep your cattle off before you can turn them back in?
0: Generally not that long. A lot of these nope. pasture mixes, it's maybe a week. Uh, you can look on the specific product labels. I know we threw a bunch of products out there at you, but they'll have grazing restrictions. Some it's no restriction at all, uh, like on the, the straight uh, Freelex 2-4-D type product. I don't know if there's a grazing restriction. It all depends on if you have milk cows out there or something like that, but uh, beef cattle, that kind of thing, a lot of times there isn't much of a restriction, maybe a week at the most. Yeah,
8: nope, they're all beef cattle. Now, I do have some trees about 10 foot outside the fence. Do I That's have to a, worry about that? Yep. Well,
0: then then you better and leave a safe out. buffer. Then you yep. got to leave a safe buffer. So let's just say that it's uh, they're 50 foot tall. You got to leave at least a 100 foot buffer before those trees. Just twice whatever their oh, okay. height is. Okay. All
8: right. Appreciate it. You bet. you bet. Good luck. Thanks a lot. Have a good day.
0: All right, Brian, another weed, and this is one of Brian's favorite weeds. Uh, this comes from Eugene and uh, in Iowa. He said, I've got a weed called horsetail or equicetum working its way into my soybean field and waterway from an adjacent road ditch. Any suggestions on controlling or eradicating it? Eradicating it? Roundup and dicama together seem to burn down the little green Christmas tree-like plants. Uh, the tubular stems growing in the beans and waterways, though, are, are tough. I can't spray Roundup out into the waterway, nope. so wonder what you would suggest.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I'm not going to get into story time again. I'm just going to – because I can tell really? you a story about this from 40 years ago. But uh, Gramoxone is the best product we've ever found, and nothing else even comes close. So – Problem with Gramoxone, it'll burn everything to the ground, including that grass that you've got out there. The grass will come back just fine, so I won't get too worried about that. But otherwise, it's it's tough. So when you're out in the field, you know you don't have the grass to deal with, then and you and you can kill everything in like a burn down or post harvest, then you're in good shape. But Gene yeah, sent us a nice
0: picture of it too. Oh yeah, yep. we know what you're talking about, yep, Gene. Yep, we've, we have we've that had on had our to farm too. That too.
1: Yep, yep. is the very best thing that there is. Use the highest rate of Gramoxone. Make sure you got crop oil in with it, and then it will work okay. There's nothing perfect on it because. It's it's spindly. It doesn't have really leaves. It's it's all waxy. It's it's just it's about impossible. But yeah, high rates of Roundup haven't done it. High rates of 24D haven't done it. High rates of atrazine haven't done it. The only thing we found is Gramoxone. All
0: right, thanks, Gene, for the question. My favorite one of the day here comes from Gabe. He said, "All right, guys, so get this. My dad wants me to hand pick every single weed out of the front lawn, and for some bizarre reason, he believes they won't grow back." Uh, What do you think? Will those weeds grow back if I pull them by hand?
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they're most likely going to grow back. Yeah, Especially
0: if you've got dandelions, anything that's a perennial or has a multi-year life cycle clover, that's going to grow back. But uh, yeah, if it's just a simple annual weed, like say you've got a pigweed or a lamb's quarters, no problem. Those are not going to grow back. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend if you can spray, we sure like the Lex product that is a, a non-volatile 2,4-D product to control those weeds, and then you would only have to do it once. But if you're going to pull them, yeah, chances are you're going to be out there pulling them again. Thanks for the question, Gabe. Thanks for listening to today's program. and Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.